Hey, Harvest. Hardly feels like extended family coming here, you know? And um, love you all so much. If you would, turn your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 10. And as you're getting there, I'll uh, share just a short bit of the greatly important things that our church has been up to. Uh, Yesterday, we did this thing called Warrior Dash. Have you heard of it? That's what I'm talking about. Brother after my own heart right there. So uh, this is some of our young people and then me. Um, <laughs> before the race at uh, Warrior Dash. And uh, here is the after picture of us uh, at the end of Warrior Dash. And here's a really killer athletic move by yours truly. Isn't that hilarious? Before the fire, I was like, wonder if our buddy's here with the camera. Why isn't he at the fire jump, you know? And then he emailed me this picture last night. Just, uh, oh, what a riot. My whole goal, really, for this thing, ever since we registered, has been to not die. <laughs> I'm standing today, but we probably need a couple more days to know for sure if the goal's been accomplished. Um, of course... Uh, I don't really care that much about telling you about the race, but I do tell you that um, to say this, that every face that you saw in that picture is a story of saving and sanctifying grace in really powerful and amazing ways. And I could just go down uh, name by name and face by face before you and tell you of what God is doing in Bloomington, and I share that with you to say we wouldn't be doing that and seeing that if it wasn't for you all. And uh, your support over these last years has uh, been second to none. And so we thank you for that. And God is getting glory for himself in Bloomington, and he is bearing fruit for his name. Lives are being changed, and uh, quite literally, some in uh, this picture who this group brings you their greetings today. And, uh, but quite literally, some in this group are going to be taking the gospel to the ends of the earth, uh, to people who have not heard, and um, so uh, we're really fired up about that and thankful for you, and also think next year, Pastor Doug is in. in this. Well, I just want to start by uh, reading our passage. We're going to start in... Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32. God's word says this, but recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised, 
for yet a little while and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. I'll keep your Bible open there, but I want to start by telling a a true story. In 1912, uh, I was a captain by the name of Ernest Shackleton. Uh, You may have heard of his story, but Shackleton was known far and wide for his uh, prowess and adventure, and he was hired to captain uh, one of what was supposed to be the most durable and largest wooden ships ever built to sail to Antarctica with a crew and to uh, travel across uh, the Antarctic, a feat that had never yet been done before. Uh, The name of the ship foreshadowed the mission, Endurance. Endurance. Three years later, after the ship set sail, Here's what happened. Crushed in ice, sank. The endurance didn't endure. And so the crew is left on floating ice. Imagine yourself there for a moment. At this point, you are 350 miles from land The temperature is 20 degrees below zero. There's not a farm around the corner to find food. And beyond the 350 miles to land is another 800 mile journey on a 22 foot lifeboat to get to a place that might actually have a level of civilization for hope of rescue. What do you need in that moment? Endurance. Endurance. At one point, the crew was frostbitten, depressed, starving, sadistically joking that the first crewman to die would be food for the rest. But after they did reach the 350 miles to land, Shackleton led a a small crew of men on that lifeboat 800 miles across the largest seas he had ever seen in in his history on the water. The lifeboat barely afloat, covered in ice, the men freezing. They reached South uh, Georgia Island, which they had to then cross a mountainous and rugged interior to get to a whaling station while the rest of his crew is left behind 800 miles away. So those 20-something wait. The journey was supposed to take three weeks. Three weeks turned into three months and then four before the boats from the whaling station could return free of ice pack to rescue the men and After those four months, every man who had originally boarded the Endurance many years after they set sail and their ship sank in the Arctic, ironically had to exhibit a kind of endurance that the ship could not, but they all returned safely home. 
something about that story that resonates in the human soul, isn't there? Faced with unimaginable difficulties, faced with tremendous hardship and how many thoughts of giving up and endurance brought them home. Loved ones, this is the picture of the Christian life. I know it's the go- not the gospel that your flesh wants, but this is the Christian life. Faced with unimaginable difficulties and through terrible hardship for the people of God, walking the way of the cross in this life, endurance will bring us home. And this is just what Christians do. This is just the Christian life. So what Shackleton and his crew lived and modeled more than their precious ship, we desperately and increasingly need in our day. So today is just this, a call to endure. A call to endure. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you are with your people now. And we thank you that there's nothing else we need. And so we pray that you would do with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm by the work of your spirit and the hearts of your people to call your people to fresh faith for endurance. This is what we need, Father. So give us hearts to take one more step forward in our faith in whatever unimaginable difficulty comes or is currently present in us and among us. Speak through jars of clay to jars of clay and bring life to dry bones. Father, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. As we enter Hebrews 10, 32, we're really on the heels of one of the strongest warning passages of the New Testament, really warning us to not continue in deliberate sin after coming to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And uh, after warnings in Scripture often follows encouragements in Scripture. And so we walk into this passage of encouragement this morning, and the encouragement is this, endure by faith, endure by faith, and this continues from Hebrews 10.32 through the hall of faith in Hebrews 11. Actually, Hebrews 11 is not so much about faith as it is about endurance by faith, all the way through uh, chapter 12, where we then see the testimony of Jesus and his endurance. And so, uh, just as Shackleton journeyed through ice and wind and water and starvation and so far from home with faith that the crew would be rescued, so we journey through this life in suffering by faith that one day we will be rescued from this strange, cold, evil land far from home. And so here's how we're going to get there, verse 32. Look at this. But recall the former days. 
So the author is calling us to remember something, to do some memory work, to think back. Uh, There's something of value in your past that will encourage your endurance today. It's like the bears and the lions of David or what he needed in his past when he faced Goliath. It says, recall the former days when after you were enlightened, right? Speaking, God gave you spiritual sight unto salvation. He gave you the knowledge that he was holy and you were sinful and Jesus Christ and his cross were your only hope of your sin being paid for and being forgiven and being welcomed into eternal life. Do you remember when the scales fell off your eyes? Like the apostle Paul. Do you remember the peace that flooded your soul when the guilt of sin was relieved? When you see striving according to dead works and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and were saved? Recall the former days when after that happened, what happened? Well, all became bright and beautiful, right? Like a lame Christian movie. Everything worked out perfectly for you and the rest of the people of God. Everything was easy and no opposition. Right, some may have been excited for you. But this became true too, what the scripture testifies of the Hebrews is true of us. You endured a hard struggle with sufferings. People were like, what happened to you? Family member was skeptical that you joined a cult. It's just like par for the course at our church when somebody comes to know Jesus, their family member thinks they joined a cult. Your friends all of a sudden didn't get why you wouldn't join them in sin. And so you had a new and young joy in the faith, but you may have also had a new loneliness. How much more do you think those who are gonna be coming to Christ out of the sexual revolution in the coming years, having realized that uh, their uh, desires were not ultimately satisfied by any decisions of a legal system, How much more are they going to suffer when they come out of that to know Jesus Christ? I hope you're ready for ministry. You suffered, but I'm encouraged by this to know that I wasn't the first to suffer. This passage reveals four ways that Our historical brothers and sisters were suffering after coming to Christ. Their testimony encourages our endurance. First, you see in verse 33, being publicly exposed to reproach in affliction. Isn't this what your persecutors want? They want it public. Make it public. Increase the fear. Increase the shame. If you cross us, likewise will be to you. Is this not why ISIS is publishing uh, every video that they can? Public reproach, public affliction. 
loved ones, just as was Christ's cross. More subtly, it's often what we experience for now is being cast as backwoods, extreme fundamentalists across blog posts and Facebook posts all over the internet. Public, public reproach and affliction. And we have to get rid of the idea that martyrdom for Christians is an honorable thing in the world. It is not. The history of martyrdom is enemies of the state, troublers of society, blasphemers. The world would be a better place if they were silenced and gone. Precious to Jesus, not to the world. And this is normal. And when we face it again, we remember that there were some forms of public reproach and affliction even in a place like the United States. But if we haven't experienced that, then take the time to learn from some others that we're gonna talk about now so that when it does come upon you, you haven't lost sight or aren't surprised that a strange thing has happened to you. This is normal. Public reproach and affliction, they suffered. We suffered after coming to Christ. And then this, bearing the burden of those who were ill-treated. Sometimes being partners with those so treated. You see that? Right, since persecution is at a minimum in America, of course, everybody agrees on the rise. I, I do often think, what if, what if this kind of suffering that the Hebrews were experiencing and that many of our loved ones are across the world were experiencing, uh, when it does come, would we bear the burden of our brothers and sisters persecuted in Christ? I often wonder about our church. Would we, would we do this? What if one of our members was fired from the workplace for being bold for Christ? What if one of our families lost their business? Would we bear the burden? We have an idea in the Christian life in America that has to leave right now, and it's this. It's that if you suffer for your faith, for your Christianity in America, that it's your fault, you are obnoxious, and you have done something wrong, and that's got to die. We need less of that and more. I'm gonna uphold you in your suffering. I see that this is about Jesus and not about your failure and we're gonna carry some burden together. Join your arm with me, we'll walk together. In fact, whatever you're suffering, I'm gonna be public in suffering it with you. So they lose their job and we write a check and we pray for the family and we connect to new job opportunities and we love lavishly. And we bear the burden of those who are ill-treated. And then the Hebrews giving compassion to those thrown in prison. For you had compassion, verse 34, for you had compassion on those in prison. You see how strange of an environment in which we live is? It's hard to even preach this passage and go, after you were enlightened, all this happened to you. And we're like, it didn't happen to me. It's a strange place, the United States. We 
can certainly be encouraged by the faithfulness of those who normally experience this. I love the voice of the martyrs' effort to mobilize Christians to support the work of the persecuted all across the globe and to encourage our participation with them. We, I read an article recently by a, a missionary. Um, David Waters was his name. He was at a pretty low point in his ministry, and uh, this is often the case in ministry. At a low point in ministry, working with the calm people, uh, and uh, at the low point in ministry, people began coming to know Christ. And do you know what happened to them? They all started getting thrown in prison. Here's the testimony of one who was thrown in prison. Young believer. We're a little bit concerned. <laughs> Love that. We're a little bit concerned. Wondering what will happen to us, but whatever it be, we have cast ourselves upon God. Whatever he wants to do is his will. He knows. Thanks be to God. Up until the time that we have written this letter, we are sitting in the gloom of the police fortress, but God's glory is with us. Regardless of what suffering comes in the name of our Lord Jesus, we will endure it. Do not concern yourself. Be of good confidence. We can never repay the debt for all that we have received from our Lord. This present suffering is of no significance. What is it compared to the suffering our Lord endured? Isn't that a precious brother? You just want to say, I want to stand publicly and compassionately and show compassion to him and his imprisonment. Listen to this. One of the other brothers said this. How stupid could they be? They thought they could beat God out of us with a stick. I love that. It's endurance. It's endurance. And this is how Christians live. And this is what Christians say. And this is what Christians do. And uh, when our time comes and our brothers and sisters here are increasingly be thrown, uh, being thrown in prison, our job is compassion on those in prison. And so I'd encourage you to take, uh, make it a habit to write letters to those who are in prison as opportunity arises to show compassion. Take a public stand with them. That's really what this is about. More about that in a second. And then... The Hebrews, after they came to Christ and they accepted the plundering of their property joyfully, look at the second half of verse 34. You had compassion on those in prison and you, you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and, a, and an abiding one. Can you imagine the faith required to joyfully, joyfully say, Take my home. You take nothing from me. I have a better possession and an abiding one. Take my family. I have lost little. I have a great family reunion ahead. Take my money. I have lost nothing. I have treasure in glory. Take my life. I have lost nothing. I gain Christ. We have a family in our own fellowship of churches who is losing their business as their source of livelihood as we speak. Joyfully accepting the plundering of their property. And this is normal. And this is what the Christian life is. And this is what Christians do. 
the plundering of their property. Now, with the Supreme Court's decision this week, and I'm not going to go into excessive detail about this. I'll let your pastors handle that as they desire. But with the Supreme Court's decision this week, right, does anyone think the avalanche of the plundering of the property of Christians in churches is anything but falling down the mountain and increase? Of course not. So, maybe you didn't experience this in the coming to know Jesus Christ after having been enlightened, but are you ready to accept the plundering of your property joyfully? Joyfully! Be on guard, you who are wealthy. Are you ready to give it up joyfully? Jesus promises us a cross to die on in eternal life. Loss of all now, gain of everything later. Philip Henry Cornford recounts the story of a Jamaican Christian in Missionary Reminiscences. He's a slave named David. David was probably, as a slave, familiar with many sufferings, and that's probably what he needed in endurance in this moment that I'm about to recount. He lived in the early 1800s in Jamaica. Uh, at the time, slave owners were especially nervous about meetings of slaves, especially gatherings for worship. And uh, so slave owners uh, broke up a prayer meeting uh, that was being led by David. And they seized him and they murdered him. They cut off his head. They put out his, his head on a pole in the center of the square as a warning to the other slaves. Then they grabbed the pastor of the church. His name was Moses. Moses Hull, who was a slave himself. They drug him up to this pole where David's head was. This is one of his precious brothers and friends. And they brought him up to the pole and they said to him, Moses, do you know who that is? Yes, sir, it's David. Do you know why he's there? Prayer, sir. No more prayer meetings. So Pastor Moses, with the other slaves of the faith family who had come with him, bowed in prayer. Right there. And they prayed for the slave owners. This is what Christians are like. This is what Christians do. This is the normal Christian life. And here's the thing. If they endured what was normal, then as what becomes normal becomes increasingly normal here, then we endure. What's your suffering? Keep going. What's your hardship? Get back up. 
Take hold of the faith that's been given to you and the promises of God. They're an anchor of the soul. Hold fast, church. Endure hardship. Keep going. Don't stop now. Recall the former days of yourselves or of others that we might endure in the present. See the past, recall the former days, and then all the ways in which they suffered in the former days. And then verse 35, therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. In light of your endurance and past sufferings, do not throw away your confidence today. It has a great reward. The confidence here speaks of the public identification with Christ and his people. Don't throw away that identification with Christ and his people. Don't throw away the kind of confidence that's public. Did you catch the public stand required to visit prisoners? You understand that if you are compassionate to a prisoner in a persecuted place and you show up in the jail, you're saying this might happen to me too right now? Did you catch the public nature of Pastor Moses and his church? Here we bow. Do not throw away that kind of confidence. And so, will you be here with one another when the suffering is the most intense? Do you hear God saying to you as individuals and then to every person here in the faith family, do you hear him? Don't throw away your confidence. We are living this public stand together. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. As sure as if we already had it. Verse 36, here it is, see this? For you have need of endurance. That's what I thought as I studied this again afresh this week. Look at that, look at that again. Personalize that in the first person. For I have need of endurance. For we have need of endurance. That's what I thought this week, I I need endurance. This is what I need, I need endurance. Endurance is the capacity to bear up under difficulty. It's the ability to remain under pressure that's pressing down on us. It's the ability to stay in the suffering without an escape route. It's to keep believing God with obedience even when the crushing weights are tempting your return to the world. What do you want to do when you're under pressure? 
You want to run like crazy from the pressure. And endurance stays in the pressure. We think, how can I take the edge off? What exits are available, available to me from this suffering? What does this habit do when the, what does this habit of running from suffering then do when it's applied to the Christian life and suffering for our faith? For many, it will throw off their profession. It's not hard to get in the ditch thinking that if this is what Jesus Christ has come to give me, once things are a little bit hard, then I don't want anything to do with it. It's not hard to get to uh, the ditch where you're angry at God because you expected some different gospel than the one I proclaimed to you. And so do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord and as your only hope? Have you received his free gift of salvation apart from any works that you could do in righteousness? Have you uh, seen before the judgment of, judgment of Almighty God that you stand condemned and you need a Savior and a Lord or there is no hope for you? And if you have, then you know God loves you. He's not withheld anything from you. He's given you everything in himself and in his son and in his spirit and in his word. And only his goodness overflows to you. Everything that men mean for evil, he means for good and there is no other option in him for you. But if you just think you're a Christian and you don't know then what is almost always the avenue of throwing away a profession of faith that has not taken possession of Jesus Christ? It's suffering. Suffering will do it. People have been talking about how Christianity in America is dying. It's not dying, it's just being clarified. Jesus isn't failing in his promise to build his church in our country. But it's suffering that will throw off a profession of faith. It's not just a small matter of giving up for a bit. It's, or it's just okay to take a week off from uh, Jesus or the Christian life for a while or I'll just, I'm just gonna handle this for one more week and if God doesn't, then I'm out. This is about the eternal salvation of your soul. Look at this. It's about endurance in the faith. This is right in the passage that you may receive what is, for you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Verse 37, for yet a little while and the coming one will come and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. 
The biblical doctrine is the perseverance of the saints. Have you ever known anyone who didn't persevere in the faith, who seemed to embrace Christ but eventually fell away? God has no pleasure in that. God destroys those under judgment, verse 39. Don't be one. Don't be one. This is really personal to me. I've watched a lot of people really close to me profess to know Jesus for a bit. And as suffering increased, they walked away. And because God loves you, gives warnings in scripture like this to his church. Lest one like that would be counted among you. Whether it's injury by the church or some Christian that you may be wrestling with, maybe it's the unwillingness to face the suffering of denying a sinful pleasure, whether it's the avoidance of suffering Uh, of acknowledging Christ before men, whether it's the extreme persecution, whether it's just a problem with suffering that exists in the world, whatever the suffering is, it's almost always suffering. Don't throw away your confidence. Of course, the Bible isn't teaching us that the person who professed faith in Christ actually possessed Christ and threw that away. It's impossible for someone who's been born of God to unborn themselves of God. We are far too weak for that, loved ones. Far too weak for that. Rather, the person who's suffering merely professed to know Christ but didn't possess, and profession without possession usually means no endurance. So the fruit of a genuine Christian is their endurance in the faith. That's why the passage says, but my righteous one shall live by faith. I once believed on Christ. I now believe on Christ. I will always believe on Christ. I will not shrink back. I will preserve my soul See, the eyes of faith assure me the reward lies beyond this life. The eyes of faith assure me there's great promises to be gained. The eyes of faith assure me that this pressure can be withstood for the salvation of my soul awaits me and build this conviction. Build this conviction. No no pressure can crush me more than faith can uphold me. No pressure can crush me more than faith can uphold me. No pressure can crush me more than faith can uphold me. So Josh, are you questioning everyone's salvation in this room? No. 
No, and actually neither is God nor this passage. Hear the writer's confidence in the Hebrews and my confidence in you in verse 39. See, we are not. We, we are not. We are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. We, we are those who have faith and preserve their souls. You have need of endurance. Do you think Ernest Shackleton was ever tempted to give up? Do you think his crew, as they waited week upon week, that turned into months frostbitten, starving, near death, and so depressed they could hardly move, was ever tempted to give up. Do you know how easy it is to give up on the cold and just fall asleep? Well, I don't know what they were tempted to do, but they endured. And Shackleton got his men home. Every single one of them. They all endured. And they did it together. But loved ones, we don't look to Ernest Shackleton. We look to Jesus Christ. Hebrews 12, three, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. We're not here in this cold land. We're not here in this strange exile. We're not here as sojourners and foreigners. We're we're not here wondering whether our captain is ever gonna return because he died, but he was raised and the coming one will come and will not delay. And not a single one of his own will be lost. They will have found, be found to have endured. So it's a call to endure. 